Genesis chapter 4, beginning in verse 25, as we continue our series called Flourish. Last week we were in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, and here we are in chapter 4. Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. I've been a lot of people that are about 90 and they want to die. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years. He had other sons and daughters, thus all the days of Seth were 912 and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years and other, had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enosh were 905 and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalahel. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalahel 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Kenan were 910 years and he died. When Mahaliel had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahaliel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. All the days of Mahaliel were 895 years and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Eighty years ago in New York City, a man was walking down the street and a beggar came to him and asked for a quarter. Now normally this man, a lawyer, had no time for such nonsense, but this time he stopped and he looked at the beggar right in his eyes and he said, don't I know you? And the beggar said, you should. We graduated together. Remember second floor, old Maine? And the lawyer said, Sam? Is it you, Sam? 
After all these years, of course I remember you. And then the lawyer reached in his lapel pocket and pulled out his checkbook and wrote Sam a check for $500. That's worth $8,600 today. Gave him the check. He said to him, I don't know what's happened in the past, but this is for your future. Go and cash it. Make a new start. Sam couldn't believe it. He started to cry and the man hugged him and said, Sam, I need to go. And so he left and Sam walked and he walked and finally he came to the bank. He stood at the door of the bank and he looked at the, his reflection in the window. He saw all of his dirt. He saw his tattered clothes. He said to him, so I can't go in there. I mean, look at those marble floors. Look at those chandeliers. I couldn't go in there. They'll kick me out. And so he turned and walked away. Two weeks later, they meet on the street again. The man says, Sam, you're still in your dirty clothes. You're still tattered and torn. What did you do with the money I gave you? Did you lose it? Did you drink it away? Sam reached in his pocket and pulled out the check, and he said, I couldn't cash it. The man said, why? He said, because when I got to the bank and I saw myself in the reflection, I, I, I couldn't go in there. They'd just kick me out. And the man started to laugh, and he said, Sam, they're not going to cash that check based on the way you look. They're going to cash it based on my signature. So go down to the bank and start over again. You know, that's exactly what the Lord says to us. Every day of our life. Think of it. On the sixth day, the Bible says, God created man in his own image and likeness. And yet in less than a chapter, man takes that image and he mars it with sin. And judgment falls. God judges man and woman in their sin, and yet God judges in a way that none of us would. The Lord said, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And yet He doesn't kill them. In fact, He gives them a promise. You will be fruitful and you will multiply. And the Bible says, not long after He cast them out of the garden, but not out of His presence, Eve gives birth to her firstborn and names him Cain. You know what that means? The name Cain means one who draws out the sword. You know why she calls Cain Cain? Because she remembers God's promise. God's promise is that her seed will one day crush the head of the serpent, Satan. And so she thinks this boy Cain is it. She believes that Cain is the one who will exact revenge against Satan. And after a number of years, she realizes how wrong she is. For Cain doesn't crush the head of the serpent, Satan. Cain crushes the head of his brother. He kills him. He kills his brother whose name is Abel, which means breath of life. When Eve gives birth to her second-born child, he's named the promise of new life, and yet within six short verses, that new life is extinguished. 
and her firstborn will spend the rest of his life separated from everyone, including God. In fact, the Bible tells us that Cain goes out and he's marked, and he builds a city and he names it after his firstborn son, whose name is Enoch, which means dedicated to God. Now that is an amazing irony. Because the only God to which Cain is dedicated is himself. The only God Cain desires to serve is himself. Rather than walking with God, walks, Cain walks with his son in isolation, doing what they please. Rather than living in obedience, they live in indifference to God. They live in indifference to his commands. And in all indications, the seed of Eve is destined for disgrace and despair. Now that's how we see it. But that's not how God sees it. Because the Bible says, after Abel dies, Eve gives birth to another son and names him Seth, which means appointed by God. And as you read the balance of chapter 4 and the beginning of chapter 5, you see that Seth has a great, great, great grandson whose name is Enoch, which again means dedicated to God. Rather than being dedicated to himself, this second Enoch is dedicated to God. Rather than living behind walls of separation, the Bible says he walks with God. In fact, the Bible says in three verses, Enoch walked with God. Now, for years I thought that Mark Twain said this. And there's no record that he did. Golf is a good walk spoiled. In 1904, Henry Wilson was ribbed by his friends for giving up on the game. His friends said, Henry, why don't you play golf again? Come on, we enjoyed having you out there. You weren't any good, but you could get better. And Henry said, golf has too much walking to be a good game and too much game to spoil a good walk. And as soon as he said it, people began to say that about golf. Golf is a good walk spoiled. Well, that's often true, but you know what's more true? There's another walk that's often more spoiled than golf and that's life. And that's exactly what the Bible tells us in this fifth chapter. Think of it, seven generations after man hid from God. Seven generations after man, man hid from God because of their sin. Six generations after one man murders his brother. Five generations after men build a city of separation and dedicated it to themselves. There is a man who is born, who walks so closely with God that he never dies. In fact, God takes him home. Cain's son, Enoch, is the personification of a walk that's spoiled. He's the picture of futility. But this second Enoch, the great, great, great grandson of Seth, is the personification of a life well lived, an unspoiled walk, a life pictured as one that flourishes. 
rather than building a city to himself. He's willing to walk wherever the Lord leads him. Rather than setting his eyes on his own desires, setting himself apart to do his own thing, he's willing to walk in God's direction, not his own. Not long ago, I saw a graduation announcement. And at the top, it said, the world awaits. And I thought to myself, what does the world await? Does it await a first Enoch? One who conforms to the way of the world? One who does his or her own thing? One who goes to make a name for himself and separates himself based on his own interests? I mean, the world sees that all the time. The world doesn't wait for that. It's an amazing thing how often I hear people talk about people that are successful. Do you know so-and-so? Do you know how successful they are? They've got two houses. They've got no debt. They've got a travel budget. (laughs) They're so well-known. In other words, they've kept step with the world. They've walked a walk that is spoiled and they don't even know it. They live a life of isolation with their own family and their own interests and they don't even know any different. I mean, one day Jesus is speaking to a crowd. Remember what he asks? What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his soul? You know what he's asking? Which Enoch are you? See, Jesus knows the difference between futility and flourishing. He knows the difference between success that is false and success that is true. And that's why God in his wisdom superintends the fifth chapter of Genesis. Where he talks about so early the difference between walking the way you desire to walk and the walking the way God would have you walk. So let's dig in. First of all, notice that the Bible says, Enoch walked with God. In Micah chapter 6, the Lord is speaking to His people Israel who have sinned boldly. And He says to them, How have I wearied you? How have I mistreated you? And in the midst of their silence, He answers, I have shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord your God require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? It's an amazing thing. God never asks, are you a good person? God never will ask you, how big is your portfolio? The Lord never even asks, are you a Christian? The Lord asks, have you humbled yourself enough to walk with me? I mean, think of Adam and Eve. They hear the sound of the Lord in the garden and they hide. Now, it's safe to assume that they had walked with the Lord in that garden prior to this. So this marks a change in their behavior. Instead of walking, they're hiding. Before their sin, they walk with the Lord in the cool of the garden. After their sin, they they don't want to walk with Him. They want to hide in the trees. Their sin moves them away from God. Their sin makes them their own God. 
But notice what else their sin does. It makes God come and find them. It makes God clothe them. It makes God cast them out of the garden, but not out of His presence. You say, where's the evidence of that? Where's the evidence that God does not simply judge in His wrath, but in His grace? You know the evidence? Seth and Enoch. You see, the question the Bible asks is different than, do you believe in me? The question the Bible asks is, have you met me? Have you come out of hiding? Have you agreed to stop building your own city? Have you agreed to stop pursuing your own reputation? Have you agreed to take on my name? Are you walking with me? Enoch walked with God. Second, Enoch also walked before him. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says, by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death for before he was taken he was commended as one who pleased God. Now what does that mean? One who pleased God. In Genesis chapter 17 the Lord comes to a man named Abram. He's 99 years old and he says, I am the Lord God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. You see, he's interested not only in Abram walking with him, but he wants him to walk before him. In Exodus chapter 20, the Lord is giving the Ten Commandments and He says, you shall have no other gods before Me. He's not simply talking about priority. He's talking about in, in My sight. No other gods in My sight. Instead of seeking to hide in His sin, God wants Abram to openly walk before His face even in the midst of His sin. Seven generations after Adam's sin that causes him to hide because he doubts his relationship with God. There's another man named Enoch who the Bible says walks blamelessly before the Lord. What's that mean? It can't possibly mean that he's sinless. He's a picture of the Savior, but he's not the Savior. He's still a sinner. So what does it mean to walk blamelessly when you still sin? Psalm 51, David doesn't allow his sin to drive him from the Lord. He doesn't allow his sin to make him doubt his relationship with God. In fact, it's his sin that drives him to the Lord. One of my mentors used to say, keep short accounts with God. You know what he means? He means that sin has a way of accumulating. Sin has a way of, of making you turn away from the Lord and try to hide. But what pleases the Lord is to walk not just with Him, but before Him. You see, Enoch didn't just walk with God, he walked before Him. And even when he sinned, he didn't seek to hide. He walked right to the Lord. For forgiveness. And then third, notice that Enoch not only walked with God, before God, he also walked after Him. The Bible says Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. 
I mean, think about all the things that Jesus could have said to his disciples when he first called them. He could have said, come and go with me. He could have said, come and I'm going to show you all kinds of amazing things. He doesn't say any of that. He says, come and follow me. Do you know what following the Lord means? It means that you have two keen senses, seeing and hearing. The Jews used to call a disciple one who walks in the dust of his master. In other words, walks behind his master. Years ago, there was a woman who came to know Christ at Hebron. She went to a party, and at that party was a doctor who had a mission in Haiti. The doctor began to explain the mission in Haiti, and then he said, you know, I'm always looking for people, especially nurses, to come with me. And as soon as he said it, the Lord spoke to her heart and her mind and said, you go with him. And for years she did. She'd go to Haiti every year. Now that's not unusual. For when you're walking after the Lord, you're listening to him. You're seeing where he's moving and you're going in that direction. I mean, think of Enoch. He has no Jesus to follow. He has no physical incarnation of God to follow. There's no mention of anyone else in his whole life who is walking with the Lord, but he does. The Bible says for 300 years... His eyes and his ears are tuned to the Lord. In fact, they're so tuned to the Lord that the Bible says he doesn't die. One day he's here, and the next day he's with the Lord. I love the story Spurgeon tells. Sixty years before that beggar and that lawyer met on the streets of New York, Spurgeon was in New York preaching, and one of the sermons he preached, he had an illustration in that, in that sermon. He's talking about Enoch. He said a little girl was going to Sunday school, and she got there and found out they were talking about this man she'd never heard of, Enoch, and they talked about how he didn't die. He just went to be with the Lord. And so when she gets home, her mother says, what did you learn in Sunday school? She said, I learned about a man who never died. His name was Enoch. Have you ever heard of him? And her mother said, no, I never heard of him. I never heard of anybody that didn't die. How's that? How's that possible? She said, Mommy, I'm not sure. All I know is that one day that God and Enoch went on a walk and it was so long and it started to get dark that the Lord said to Enoch, you know, we're a lot closer to my house than yours. Why don't you just come home with me? <laughs> and he did. Now, can you ever imagine the Lord ever saying that to you? See, the world doesn't need another Cain. It's got too many of those. The world doesn't need another son of Cain, Enoch. Doesn't need another conformist. What the world needs are more great, great, great grandsons and daughters of Cain who walk with the Lord who walk before the Lord, who walk after the Lord. The world needs another selfless display of grace. And the truth is, the closer you walk to the Lord, the easier it is to imagine Him saying to you, 
why don't we just go to my place? I mean, that's exactly what Jesus said to Mary. Remember what he said? He who believes in me will never die. So you and I have a, you and I have a choice to make as believers. We can walk with him and flourish. Or we can walk in selfishness after the way of this world. And we may even live 965 years. But it will be a life of futility. Isn't that interesting? In chapter 4 and 5, you've got two Enochs. Two different ways to walk. God's called you to flourish. He's called you to cash the check he's written. Because it all is based on his signature, not your dirt. Think about that. Amen.